me now, huh? I tell you, uh, this sounded good this morning, the song service, and uh, I've been in so many different churches, and um, a lot of times I'm sitting right here on this front pew, and when the music, the, the song leader gets up there, and he starts um, leading the congregation, I'm sitting on that front pew going, trying to hear the song leader. It says a lot whenever you have a song leader that, can lead, that will lead your congregation and, and sing out because your congregation sings out then too. And it was just amazing just to hear you guys all behind me. And I was just trying to out-sing you guys. I don't know if uh, Clay heard that or not, but I hope he didn't. Uh, but I was just wondering, does Jeff do specials here? Sing specials? Okay, well, I won't. Okay, so anyway... I'm the other brother Jeff. The other brother Jeff is taller than me, just a little bit. Um, but we do play basketball, or we used to play basketball together. I don't know if either one of us can really handle it now. If we're not, uh, we just have to have the young guys do all the running, just pass it to us. We'll shoot every now and then. But we did. We've been knowing each other for a long time and, and had some good times uh, with working with different youth all over the county. And, and so, um, but anyway, I'm glad he called me up and asked me if I could come and preach, and I'd always love to do that and, and come. But if you would, if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, we're going to be looking at a text and all, uh, one of the I am statements of Jesus. And tonight we'll be looking at another I am statement of Jesus. But this morning's I am statement of Jesus is going to be I am the bread of life. So if you'll turn to John chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25 to 35. We'll read there and then we'll... Um, get on into the word. So um, if you already there, if you would and stand in honor in the reading of God's word with me. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Father, I just thank you so much for the reading of your word. I thank you that um, we're able to come together in this place, Father, and worship you as believers in Christ, Father. Lord, I just pray right now that you take this time, Father, and just move us all out of the way and give us the ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, we're talking about, we wanna, I want to give you a little bit of history of where this, this passage is, uh, what leads up to this passage. In chapter 6, at the beginning of chapter 6, uh, it talks about the feed, Christ feeds the 5,000. You know that he was um, standing there with his disciples and he started seeing this multitude coming. 
And the Bible says 5,000. They just count the men. They're not counting the women and the children that's all there too, which that probably around somewhere is around 20,000. So what they did, uh, Jesus told them, he said, you know, let them all sit down in this grassy area, which is a nice place. I take it now because uh, uh, if Jesus is there, it's going to be nice, right? No, he, he, likes, he likes nice things, doesn't he? Well, anyway, so they come and they get all sit, situated and sit down. And he starts preaching to them and, and um, he notices this during the time they're getting hungry. So he asked one of his disciples, um, Philip, he said, hey, what, um, you know, we need to feed these people. And they're like, you know, oh, 200 um, denarii is not going to feed these people. That's, that, it's not, we, 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 I mean, it, it'd take a whole lot more than that. And um, then one of the other disciples, I think it was Andrew, which is um, um, Peter's brother, come up and said, hey, I found this lad. He's got five loaves and two fish. Jesus will give them to me, and uh, we're going to feed these people. And, you know, I figured if y'all like me, and I'll uh, look at five loaves and two fish, that won't even feed my family. And, um, but Jesus made sure that, you know, he broke it, he blessed it, and it fed the people. And they were filled. The Bible says they, they were filled. And then they had leftovers. So he had the disciples gathered up because you don't want to waste anything. So he, they gathered it all up. So that's where the, the history of where we're going into this text about Jesus being the bread of life. And, but he had compassion on them. He healed their sick while they were there. He fed them because they, he wanted to fill their, the need of that day. Um, so, anyway, the, uh, it also talks about the prophet. Now, whenever it talks about the prophet in verse 14 of that text in chapter 6, talk, goes from, comes from De Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, talks about the coming Messiah. And then in verse 15, on, when we get on down into verse 15, therefore when Jesus uh, perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, he, he kind of um, left out because the people were looking at Jesus as being their earthly king. And that many people there, and it would have been easy to take one person by force, right? 20,000 people coming at you, rushing you. It would be easy to take him by force. So he, he perceived that. So he kind of departed from the crowd and went up in the mountain to get away and pray. Um, so after he does that, then the disciples uh, go to leave. They get in the boat, and they start crossing the Sea of Galilee. And we know that story right there where Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And they're scared because this um, big storm can, has come up, and it's tossing the boat to and fro. And, and, and how many of you guys ever been on the Mississippi River during a storm? Uh, or, I mean, you know, that's a dangerous place. Now, when I was in the Navy, and we were sailing across the Pacific Ocean, or, well, I sailed in all four oceans. I was counting that down. So I don't know how many seas I sailed in, but anyway, the roughest ocean I ever sailed in was the, uh, in, uh, the Arctic Ocean. Well, in the Bering Strait, in between um, Alaska and going up through there to the Arctic. Uh, that was the rough seas. And we were hitting some swells that our whole ship, was um, when it goes up and it starts coming off that swell, we start floating in the sky or in the air. And we just like thought it's the coolest thing until that thing hit the water. And when it hit the water and all, we come slamming back down. But these guys right here were scared, and they didn't know what to do. They were afraid for their lives. And then they see this person walking on water, and they thought it was a ghost and all. So they were more afraid when they saw that. So they were on. Uh, they saw that, and Jesus said, "Don't be afraid. It is I." And um, so we know the story. And all Peter said, "If if if it's you, Lord." Tell me to get out this boat and come to you. He said, well, come on, big boy. So he jumped out the boat and he started walking and he started looking at all the storms and life around him and he started sinking. 
Well, Jesus saved him out of, uh, from, from the storms of life, and they all got back in the boat, and they ended up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And this is where our story picks up here. Well, the people in that time were looking all around. They didn't see any boats, and all, so they, they, they went across, and they found Jesus and all this. So that's where we pick up on the story in verse 26. It talks about, uh, they come up there, and they said, uh, well, in verse 25, I'm sorry, they said, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Because they only saw the disciples get in the boat. They didn't see Jesus get in the boat, so they was like, how would you get across here? He, I mean, they blew their mind if he would have said, I walked on water. But he didn't do that. And so anyway, he just asked, and he answered them with another question. He said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but you ate of the loaves and were filled. So he's, he just pointed this out to them. He said, guys, he said, you seek me because you didn't see, you, because you saw the signs that I performed. You saw me healing your sick people. You saw me taking care of the feeding of the 5,000. And that's the reason why you're coming to find me because right now you have a need. Right now. And that need is you're hungry again. You want me to provide for your physical need. You're not following me because of the message. And the message is that he is the son of God. They followed him. They, a lot of people believed in his, they wanted to see his signs and wonders, but they, would, they turned a deaf ear towards the real reason why Jesus was there and seeking to save those lost, to tell them that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah, the, the, um, the one that the, the Old Testament prophesied about the coming Messiah, and uh, they did not want to hear that. And so anyway, so that's what he was doing. He just right then just told the people that that's the reason why you want them to see me. And he told them in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent his, set his seal on it. So I was, I was wondering, I was looking at that, I was studying that. I said, God the Father has set his seal on him. I looked it looked it up. Okay, about the seal. We know that a lot of times and all back in the um, uh, all these kings, they have a signet ring. That that's what whenever they want to send a letter out, they put some wax or whatever on there, and they put their their uh, seal in that wax. And so they give it to a messenger, and the messenger take off and to deliver it to whoever it was going to. And when they look at it, they knew that that was a letter from the king because it was sealed with his signet ring. But let's think about this. When they placed Jesus Christ in that tomb and they rolled that stone in front of it and they sealed it, they were sealing it with the king's signet ring. That whenever nobody could open this, uh, this tomb up without the king's permission of that day. So that's the reason why they did that. So that way people come up and they like, oh, well, this king sealed it. We can't do that. We can't open up this tomb. So anyway, so we see that uh, the, this, when the Bible says God the Father has set his seal on him, I wrote this down. He said a, a, signet, or a seal is a sign of the king's trust and a manifestation of royal authority. That was the definition of a seal. So we see that God set his seal on Jesus Christ, a sign of the king's trust, and a manifestation of the royal authority, and is manifested in Jesus Christ, made known 
that God the Father approved. This is, this is Jesus Christ, the second in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we see that God the Father is manifested in the uh, man, Jesus Christ. In verse um, 28, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So right there still, they, they are in this mindset that they have to work. They have to do some kind of work to gain their way to heaven. I mean, we, what do we do nowadays? Um, do we do that? A lot of times we find ourselves trying to do that. Now, back whenever I was a, uh, a kid at 12 years old, I come down that aisle, I repeated a prayer after a pastor, but when I walked back out of that church that night, and all, I was still lost as a goose. Because that didn't mean a thing to me. It didn't mean a hill of beans to me. No, I didn't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he's telling the people. He said, you're wanting the benefits of life. You want the benefits of life. You don't want a relationship with me. You want what I can give you for physical needs, not spiritual needs. I come down that aisle, and I was wanting to see what I could get for um, physical needs and not spiritual needs. And then when I left out at church and all, and God's like, you're still lost. I was trying to fill that void in my heart by doing whatever I could to fill it. I started cutting the grass at the church. And man, I thought, hey, surely enough, if I cut the grass and all, that'd be enough to uh, fill this whatever emptiness is, is in my heart. But it wouldn't. I was there every time the door opened up on the church. I was there for vacation Bible schools. I went to the youth camps and all. I did all kind of stuff. RAs and I was going to say GAs, but I didn't do GAs. RAs. So I was there. And I was still just as empty as can be because I did not have this, that relationship with Jesus Christ. I was trying to fill the physical need by my works. That wasn't enough, so I started cutting the grass on the church at the grass. I started cutting the church on the grass. At, I started cutting the grass at the church, and I started cutting the grass at the pastor's house. He loved it because he didn't have to do it no more. But I didn't ever say anything to him what I, why I was doing that. I was trying to feel something in me, and I was keeping it to myself and all because I knew I, I, I thought, well, I can work it out on my own. How many of us guys do that? We can work it out. We figure it out on our own. We can do it on our own. We figure it out. That's life, right? What is life? What is life? We define life in so many different ways, and all. sometimes we find li define life in our material possessions. No, we like, or we look at somebody else, and all they might be su successful, and all we like. Now he's living. Got him an RV, he goes on vacations anytime he wants to, or he's got all these side-by-sides and things like that. We define life by material possessions, and we look at people and we say, he's living now. He's living now. But are we really living? Are we really living? We need to start defining life by our relationship with Jesus Christ and where we stand with him. And, you know, we can come to church week after week and, and we could still just as be just as empty as we were when we come in if we allow it to happen. But we need to uh, do a check on our life and see where we stand. Because that's what Jesus was pointing out to these people 
that was following him. And he was also teaching his disciples at the same time. And his disciples, it wasn't just the 12. It was a, a big group of followers. And we're going to get into that in just a minute and all to see when Jesus really gets to the nitty-gritty with them and see what happens then. All right, we'll move on down. Okay, in, in verse 29, Jesus answers and said to them, this is the work of God that you... Remember, in verse 28, he's talk, they said, they said then, you know, what shall we do that we may have, uh, work the works of God? And Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who, whom he sent. You don't have to turn with me, but I'm going to turn over to 1 Corinthians. And y'all can just mark this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's going to be verses 3 and 4. Well, I'm going to start with verse 2. And this is Paul writing to the Corinthians right here. He said, by which also you are saved if you hold fast, that's what he's, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. He said, for I delivered to you first of all which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he, was, he rose again the third day according to the scripture. So right there, that's what Jesus Christ is telling him. He said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Also, over in the New Testament, it talks about, uh, in, in, um, the, the, y'all know it's always it's prophesied about the coming Messiah. It's all in the New, Old Testament. And uh, so he's bringing them back to that point now because a lot of these um, Jewish people, they knew about the prophecy of the coming Messiah. So they, that's what he was trying to point them back to, to uh, everything that the Bible said. Also remember, when, after, his, uh, after he rose from the grave, that the two disciples were on the road to um, um, Emmaus. And Jesus uh, started walking with them, but they didn't recognize him. And then the Bible talks about that he pointed them back in, from Moses all the way through the Old Testament, told them about the prophecy, about the coming Messiah, what was going to happen to him. And now, why are y'all so, you know, out of it right now? Now, y'all can't believe that this happened to, to him. It was already prophesied about it. Y'all knew about it. So he was, uh, he was pointing everybody back to what was coming. And that's what he was trying to tell these people right here. And I was like, look, I want to give you spiritual life. You can handle the physical life. You can go and get you something to eat. And if that's the only reason why you're coming to me because of physical needs, then you're coming for the wrong reason. I can help you on that physical needs, but the most important thing is your spiritual need. You need spiritual life. And that's what he's talking about. Um, in verse 30, he says, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? There they go again. We, gotta, we, the pe we the type of people, we have to see it to believe it. That's what type of people we are. I know back whenever um, I first started out in the ministry, I was going over here to Pleasant Hill Baptist Church, and I was in the RAs, and one of the little boys in the RA group said, uh, he said, Mr. Jeff, he said, I'm the type of person, this boy is probably about maybe nine years old, 
Mr. Jeff, I'm the type of person who has to see it to believe it. And I did not know how to answer that question because he asked me, he said, how do I know Jesus is real if I can't see him? So I was like, oh, he caught me off guard. And so I went and got the pastor. It was Brother Floyd Hickenbottom. And he come in there, and I love what, he, um, what answer he gave me. And he said, so, son, I hear that you, um, you're the type of person likes to, you got to see it to believe it, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, how can I believe in Jesus if I don't see him? He said, well, so let me ask you a question. He said, do you believe Bill Clinton is the president? That's who was president back then. He said, yes, sir. He said, have you ever seen him? He said, on TV. He said, how do you know that's him? He said, well, the TV says it is. He said, have you ever met him in person? He said, no, sir. He said, well, so you don't really know if that's Bill Clinton, right? He's like, well, no. He said, Let's take it a little step further. He said, who's our 16th president? He said, Abraham Lincoln. He said, you ever, uh, huh, 15th? One of them. You know what president uh, Abraham Lincoln is. She's a school teacher, so anyway. Um, he said, have you ever met him? He said, no, sir. He said, where did you read about him? He said, in the history books. He said, how do you know those history books are true? He said, well, I trust that they are. Then he said, what about George Washington? He said, well, that's our first president. He said, you ever met him? No. He said, how do you know about him? Well, in the history books. I just believe, I mean, that's what the history books teaches. He said, well, this is the most important history book right here is the Holy Bible. He said, it talks about Jesus all throughout that Holy Bible. And that boy, at the end of the night, I was like, oh, my goodness, I was so impressed. I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't have to remember that. But um, at the end of the night, that, that boy was like, I see. I don't have to see Jesus to believe in him. And that's what exactly what Jesus was trying to tell these people. You're here with me right now. You see me. You've been seeing me doing all these miracles and performing all this, um, uh, healing all these sick people. I mean, there's people that will lay down in the pool of water that I go and have a conversation with, and I bring them, and I was like, look, stand up, get your mat, walk home. Where he walks, so he, he goes out of his way, and he goes and he lays hands and all, or he stands... And he goes to a graveyard where Lazarus is in the grave. And y'all know why he said Lazarus? Because if he would have said just come forth, the whole graveyard would have rose up. Okay? So he called out a specific name and said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus walked out of the grave alive and well. And let me tell you one thing. If we are sitting in here right now and we don't know Jesus Christ, we are dead. We are dead. We're not living. We are dead, dead, dead. But Jesus you know, would call your name and tell you to come forward. He did with me back in 1992 when I got out of the military. Whenever I was at my house and all, all depressed and everything, all poor pitiful me, because the things that I'd done, that, uh, I'd done in my life has caused me to be in that situation I'm in right now, all these poor choices I made. And whenever he reached down, whenever I was uh, out of that boat walking towards him, I started looking at all these storms around me. And I started sinking in there. And then, you know, the Bible don't say that he reached down and grabbed Peter as soon as he started sinking. He waited until Peter realized where he was at and he said, Lord, save me. Same thing with us. Until I was realized that I was just about to go under. And when I said, God, I need you to save me. That night he reached down. He picked me up. He said, you a little faith. Why would you ever doubt me? You've been spending your whole, most of your life chasing after stuff and trying to work your way to me. 
and it ain't been working. He saved me that night in my living room floor. And he started cleaning me up and brought me to where I am today. I'm still, uh, you know, he's still working on me. He's like, you know, he says he's the potter, I'm the clay. I figure he's probably done bashed me down a few times and all that and restarted on me, felt those little uh, rough lumps in there and carved, got them out, throwed them out. And, but he's still making me into who he wants me to be. And I like, just like that song that we used to sing as kids, he's still working on me. No, we need to bring that one back, right? He, he's still working on us adults. He's still working on us, uh, the youth, us youth, you youth. He's still working on us. He's still making us in who he wants us to be. But we have to realize who he is. And who he is is the creator of this world. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And we need to realize that. And we need to take that out of these four walls, outside those doors, to tell people, in our community, in our um, county, in our city, in the whole uttermost parts of the world of who Jesus is. So he keeps, he keeps on going. He keeps on going to uh, these people and all that, the naysayers and all that. Oh, whatever, you just do some more signs and wonders and, and uh, we will believe you. And then they go, well, you know, our fathers ate manna in the desert as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you that bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So there's that word again, life, right there. And, and um, he was telling, they were all saying, Well, Moses, you know, Moses did this, Moses did that. Moses did. God used Moses. God used Moses to, um, to deliver his people out of bondage to lead his people. And whenever his people didn't, um, didn't believe or got to grumbling and they didn't believe that they could go take the promised land, that they had to wander around in that desert for 40 years. And you know what? All these people that, uh, that didn't believe that God could do these things they do and they were grumbling, complaining, God still took care of them those 40 years because he brought, gave them manna every day. And you know, it was so, it was so funny, I was reading about the manna, uh, the, the, um, the bread from heaven, that he gave them just enough to, uh, for them for that day, and no more. Every day he gave them just enough bread, and except for Saturday, he gave them enough bread for Saturday and Sunday, because the Sunday being the Sabbath, uh, or he gave them enough bread Friday, so that way they wouldn't have to do anything on the Sabbath. Okay, so anyway, so they had to work. But if they uh, tried to hoard some of it, it'd be rotted the, the next morning. But then when Jesus feeds the, uh, the uh, 20,000 plus people that day, and they had leftovers, because he said, go collect it, nothing needs to go to waste. But I, I was reading too, and all how whenever they were eating, that they were filled. They were filled. Whenever you're in the presence of Jesus, when you're reading his word, if, you're, if you still, if you leave your quiet time or you leave your daily, in the daytime, if you, do, if you didn't do your quiet time that day or whatever, you're still hungry. 
you're still seeking something to fill you. But when you're in there in, in the Word and you're spending time with Jesus, He fills your need. You're satisfied. He fills that emptiness in you. Then they said to him, Lord, give us the bread always. And Jesus said to them, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So we see now that he, he gets to the point. He says, I am. And when we see the I am statements and all, that points us back to the burning bush. When Moses stands in front of the barn, burning bush, he said, and God's telling him, you know, you're going you're gonna to lead my people out of Egypt. I heard their cries. And Moses like, what? I'm not a leader. But God was going to use him. He said, well, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? He said, I am. And that's it. So let's go back a little bit further to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning, God, that should be it. That's what, I, what right there is, that's, that's our foundation of our belief, in the beginning, God. If we can't believe that, then the rest of the Bible is irrelevant to us. In the beginning, God, we shouldn't question it because he's, 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 he don't, he's not, um, he don't live like we do 24 hours a day or by seconds, minutes, hours, days of the week and all. He's timeless. So in the beginning was God. God was the I am in the bush. God is the I am in this right here. I am the bread of life. And that's what he was trying to get these people to understand, that I am the bread of life. And what is so, is so good today is that he's still saying yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He has not changed at all. He is where we put him, where we leave him, but some of us take him wherever we go, and that's a good thing. We all need to take Jesus wherever we go because if, the, if he lives here, then he goes with us. I hear people say, well, you know what? I mean, well, I don't hear people say this. Let me rephrase that. I used to think like this. Well, I want to go and do this, so I'm just going to leave Jesus over here. And then that next Sunday, I'm sitting in church singing, I surrender all in vain. I surrender all in vain because I didn't surrender all. And so he's looking at us, and when he's teaching these people, he's also teaching his 12 apostles, and he's also feet, uh, teaching the disciples that's following him. The disciple is a follower of Christ. So he's also teaching them. They're hearing this stuff, and they're like, good, not alive. This is some harsh stuff that he's telling these people. Did Jesus ever say following him was going to be easy? No, he didn't. He said it's going to be hard. So he goes on, after, after verse 35, we go on to whenever he starts looking at his disciples then. He's, in verse 36, he says, I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will no, by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should, I, I should lose nothing, but should rise up at the last day, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of, believes in him may have eternal, everlasting life. 
and I will rise up at the last day. And he's talking about, he said, you know, if you believe, he's look at this belief, 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 one thing after the next. Believes in him. Believes, believes, believes. The Jews then complain about him because he said, I am the bread of which came down from heaven. So you got these Pharisees out there that's uh, complaining about what Jesus is saying, um, that, oh, he's, he's saying that he is the uh, bread from heaven, and, you know, they were liking their lifestyle. They were, uh, people, people back, in, uh, back then in these days were looking at the Pharisees as the religious leaders, that's what they were. So they were believing that their word was truth. But you think about this. They, their traditions, they started off good. They started off doing all the uh, works of the Lord. They started off doing all the, the Ten Commandments and all. We need to follow the Ten Commandments. And, but then they started adding some of their own things to it, their own laws to it, and eventually they started pushing God's laws to the back and putting their laws to the front. Oh, you know what? On the Sabbath day, you can't leave your house and all. Oh, well, if you leave your house, you only can go about 1,500 feet. That's it. But if you need to go to your neighbor's house that lives 3,000 feet from you, just tie a rope to that 1,500 feet. That's just an extension, and you can go over there to their house and visit them. Silly laws like that. Oh, you can't clothe that person because on the Sabbath day, you can't carry clothes to that person and give to them. But you can put all those clothes on and carry and then take it off and give it to them. Just laws like that. And I'll just, uh, you know, they were, they were, that was going above God's laws. So these people were looking at the Pharisees and all, and, and so they were questioning Jesus because they liked their, their popularity. They, you know, they were the who's who. They loved that people part when they come walking through all in their nice robes and everything. They loved that. And so anyway, so Jesus, Jesus is... I mean, he's making it harder and harder. He's just nailing them with this. And, he's, and then they said, is this not Jesus? And then they have to bring his family into it. Is this not Jesus, uh, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not mum, mummer around among yourself, because he knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were saying. They could be whispering. He knew exactly what they were saying. Okay? He said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will rise him up, or raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. He, said, he nails it again, he who believes in me believes in the message not the miracles so then he turns and looks at his um, disciples and the Bible says in verse 60 therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying who can understand it and when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this he said to them does this offend you what then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was, was before. And what he's talking about is after when he's, he's going to be ascending into heaven. Let me stop right there. Let me, let me tell you all this too. You know, uh, we might be looking at, uh, you know, Jesus started his ministry. He did his ministry about three and a half years. At this point in John, John wrote 
All the stuff that John was writing was in, in Jesus' latter ministry. So this is probably all about year three of his ministry. So all these disciples and all have been following Jesus, been learning under Jesus for three years now. So here it is. Now they're like, well, this stuff is hard. So it's not anything new to them. It's stuff that he's been teaching them over the past two years, going in the third year. So um, they shouldn't have any excuse. Um, there were some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. By the time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So right there we see that a lot of his disciples after that saying left him. So we just can't. It's just too hard for us. Too hard for us. Now do we see a lot of times um, people that come down and make a decision of, um, or they believe in Jesus and all or they say they believe in Jesus and what do we do? Do we come alongside them and help them and grow them, help them grow? Or do we say, hey, pat them on the back, good job, I'm glad that you're here, and, and we forget about them? Because sometimes I think of the, these people are about like these disciples right here, and all. this stuff is just too hard. There's no way I can live up to these expectations. And they just turn and just leave. They walk away. I think what... Sometimes we fail as a church is that we don't disciple people like we should be. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else by doing that. And, you know, it starts at our home, and I'm just as guilty as that too, where I don't disciple my children like I should be discipling my children. Um, but here's the confession by Peter. The reason why I know these, that, that none of these were does any of the, the disciples that left is because right here it says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? I mean, what, how, how would you feel if the King of kings and the Lord of lords looked you in your eyes and said, Do you want to walk away too? Do you want to walk away too? I probably would have been like trying to get behind somebody so he wouldn't make eye contact with me and also I wouldn't be seen. But Simon Peter says this. And you know, Peter Peter was the uh, hard-headed one. He was the vocal one of the 12 disciples. And, uh, but on his confession, right here, is where we need to be. He said, Simon Peter answered him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right there, that's a confession. That's the foundation. Because that's what Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on, and the gates of hell will not prevail. When Peter confessed that Jesus was the Son of God. Have you ever confessed that? Have you ever confessed that Jesus is the Son of God? we got to move that knowing about Jesus from here to that belief in Jesus to here. And like Paul wrote now to the Corinthians, he said, you know, he said, according to the scriptures, that you were born of a virgin, that you died. 
died on the cross for all our sins, that when they took you off that cross, they placed you in a tomb, they sealed that tomb, and three days later, none of the people moved that stone out of the way. But Jesus did. Because no signet ring from any king, lowercase k, king, is going to hold the king of kings back. Because it wasn't sealed with the creator of the universe seal. It was sealed with a man's seal, and that wasn't going to hold our king of kings back. And when he walked out of that grave, and he appeared to all his disciples, and a lot more than that, that's the gospel right there. You've got to believe that he was born of a virgin. You've got to believe that he went to that cross for your sins and for my sins. You've got to believe that they placed him in that tomb and three days later he rose from the grave. He defeated hell and death. There's no sting in it no more as a believer in Christ. And that he's at the right hand of God the Father right now waiting to come back to get his children. I tell you what, it's getting close, guys. In the world we live in right now, we are living in the last days. We don't know when that last day is. It could be in the next 30 minutes. But are you ready? Are you ready for, the, uh, for that trumpet? Are you ready? If you're not... Let God deal with you. If you feel like God is speaking to you right now, let him speak to you. There's nothing I can do to help God out. But if you need somebody to pray with, we have some deacons here in the church and all that would be, be glad to pray with you. Clay's here. I'm, I'll be over here in the corner. I'll be happy to pray with you. But let God deal with you. Let God, and you talk to God. You talk to God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this time that you've given us to be together. And Father, and talk about being the bread of life. Lord, that in you, through you, in that relationship that we can have with you is all we need to sustain us and not be hungry anymore. And Father, thank you so much for your son Jesus, for sending him to be that sacrifice for our sins on that cross, Father, for being that substitution that hung on that cross because you placed your wrath on him that you were going to place on us for our disobedience. And Father, and through him, with the blood that he shed, that we, we can be forgiven from my from sin and that we can have that relationship with you through him. Thank you so much. And Father, I just pray for anybody that's here today that you, you're, you're calling. You're calling them to follow you. Father, that they just let go of their pride, let go of whatever they're holding on to, and just give, give you their all. Lord, I thank you so much for this church to be the lighthouse here in this community. Thank you so much. I pray that you would be with the people that make up this uh, congregation, Lord, that when they leave here, they take what they know to the community out there. We love you. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please stand for.